Hi, I'm Andrew Muir, Creative Director at Ardent Theatre. If you enjoy this show, please share, subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening. One day in 2008, a radio interview grabbed the attention of playwright Tracy Ryan. Irish department store owner Ben Dunn was trying to apologise to a former employee. It wasn't going well. That employee, Mary Manning, had spent more than two and a half years on strike at Dunn's, and Tracy had stumbled onto the story of how a small group of shop workers defied the Irish establishment. Her play, Strike, was born. So I was kind of like, what's this about? So I just started Googling and looking around and then started to read about the strike, and I was like, wow. Fast forward to 2023, and with Ardent Theatre Company, Tracy brings Strike to the London stage, with Kirsty Patrick Ward directing. You've got to tell a story. Tell the story with heart and truth and conviction and respect for what they did. The best thing you can do for them is tell their story well. And I was totally fine until the lights went down and I grabbed my husband's hand. I was like, ah, I really hope they like it. I'm Andrew Muir, and this is Activism in the 80s, where we chart the protests and culture wars that changed lives in Britain, Ireland and beyond. In this episode, we'll explore the long journey from that first spark to opening night at Southwark Playhouse. Let's start with that radio interview. Here's Tracy Ryan. I was living in Ireland and I'd been there a year or so and I was just listening to the radio, which is RT radio, and I heard Ben Dunn was on there and they brought on Mary Manning and he was trying to apologise to her for the ben strike. Dunn. He runs, well, he used to run Dunn's stores. Right. And I found out later that she didn't know he was going to be on the radio show, she didn't know he was going to try and apologise. Oh, apologize. so it wasn't set up it wasn't as set a, up at an all. apology? They were just, okay. no, just brought her on and said, look, can we bring you on? So I was kind of like, what's this about? Yeah. So I just started Googling and looking around and then started to read about the strike. And I was like, wow. Was there much around about the strike? There was fragments, and as I would find out later, Mandate and Brendan Archibald kept the story going. But to get to the strikers, there was no contact numbers. I didn't know how to get hold of them. So I contacted Mandate, the union, and they put me in touch with Brendan Archibald. So I wrote to Brendan and told him a little bit about my own past, about stuff I'd been involved with politically, and said, I'm really keen to write the story of the strike. And he said, let's meet for a pint. And we did. Where did you meet? You met- well, we met in Wynn's Hotel, which is just off O'Connell Street. In Dublin? In Dublin, yeah. So I was living there, so we met in Wynn's. Wynn's is a very famous hotel. It's known for lots of political meetings and things like that. So it was quite, a, you know, a good place. Appropriate, to- yeah. Appropriate to meet there. Okay. And um, Brendan was amazing. He was a union organiser at the time throughout the strike. And... Duns hated him. They did see him as a red troublemaker. But what Brendan did for me, I suppose, I've got Irish parents, grew up in London, very proud of that. So I kind of missed out on that history of Ireland because I grew up here. But returning to Ireland, I was very curious about Irish history and what had happened. So Brendan was brilliant at just giving me the context of the 80s and what was going on, particularly in the south of Ireland. And he said, would you want to meet the strikers? And I was like, of course. He went, well, I'm going to Australia, but they've got an anniversary meeting, so go down and meet them. And I turned up. So where did you meet them? The Teachers Club, which is another... Tell us about the Teachers Club. (laughs) The Teachers Club is a bar and they have a theatre there. Again, in Dublin? In Dublin, yeah. And so I met them there and I kind of walked in and I think they were a bit like... 
who's that? Yeah, who is this one? And I was like, I'd like to write a play about the strike. And they were lovely. And they shared pictures with me. It was an anniversary meeting. They have them every year. So they were all there, their supporters. A nice group of people. And Karen stood up and made a speech. And um, what I took away from that, apart from them being absolutely lovely to me, was that there was this great bond they'd stuck together through all this time and would meet a few times a year, and especially on the anniversary of the strike, to celebrate what they'd done, but in a very low-key way. You know, they weren't searching for publicity or anything like that. And Brendan as well was brilliant because he had an archive. When he was leaving the Mandate Union, they um, were going to throw out all the archive material about the strike, so, like, letters from bishops and clippings and letters from all around the world supporting them. They were going to go in bin liners and thrown out. So Brendan was like, I'll take it. So he kept hold of this really valuable archive that has been amazing for me to use and others. He, he gave you access, you he were did, able to... He yeah. I went round to his house and he kind of laid it all out on the living room floor and all the clippings and... Which is brilliant for a playwright, presumably, because, oh my God. you know, there's yeah. the research laid out in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Because at that time, there wasn't much online about the strike. For example, RT didn't have the archive material they've put up since because now you can look at footage that they had from that time. But there wasn't any of that. And when we did the first run of the play, I hadn't seen a picture of Nimrod. Luckily, the Marxist library and also Labour Youth had kept letters and some of his speeches, but there was no images online. So it was really interesting. You know, I found a book that he was included in Organise or Starve, which was written about the uh, unions in South Africa. Can you just tell us, uh, Nimrod is a character in the play. Yes, yeah. And Nimrod, uncannily at the time, was in exile in Dublin. He'd been involved in the freedom movement in South Africa. It was being done for treason along with Nelson Mandela and had to leave, leave his family. He was living in Dublin. He was living. He'd been all around the world. He'd been to Tanzania, Russia, Egypt, you know, begging on the streets of Egypt. Really tough time and ended up in Dublin. And it's true what he said, that his father pointed to the map and said, in this country, white people oppress other white people. <laughs> so, you know. Right, OK. So there was Which that, is in the yeah. play. Which is in so the play. It's a beautiful yeah. line. Yeah, 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 great. Yeah, so that was great. And so I suppose as a writer, you just begin to pick up stuff. But I couldn't have done it without Brendan's intervention of sharing all that material with me. So when did you, Tracy, when did you hear the Mary conversation, Ben conversation on the radio? How- when are we talking? 2009. About yeah, 2009. Yeah, early 2009. And did yeah. you think, as most writers do, like magpies as we are, did you think immediately this could be a play? Or was it maybe a novel, a book or whatever? Or was it always, were you thinking, this could make a play? I think play, because my background's in theatre. Yeah. So I suppose the easiest thing for me is to create a play. Film and TV is completely different. Yeah. You know, it's a different medium. So the, yeah. the thing I'm comfortable with is creating theatre. And I was shocked nobody had done it already. You know, this Well, one, I think that's yeah. the big million dollar question. <laughs> so I'm going to bring in Kirsty now. Kirsty, had you heard of the story before you had read the script? Weirdly, I had actually heard of the strike before, but that was really by chance. How? I know, I know. Actually, from another podcast, the Moth podcast. So if anyone wants to hear a bit of the real Karen Gearan, there's a brilliant episode where she talks about it. And my sister, she'd heard it and told me about it. And I was like, how how do we not know about this story? This is incredible. So when you guys got in touch, I was like, I actually do know about (laughs) this strike. That's so weird. 
so how, Kirsty, how did you get involved in the project in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky in terms of Arden. So Andrew, you and Mark and Tracy reaching out to me to have a read of the script and I interviewed for it. And it was, from the moment I read it, I just thought this is brilliant and epic. Was it one of those? Was it a, a very quick kind of Yes, it was. Connection? Yes, I think already... I was intrigued by the story. But within, I think by the end of the first scene, that wonderful changing room scene, I was just so enamoured with the characters. I loved the kind of wits that Tracy had in the writing and they're real people. And I think, yeah, that was me hooked from that moment on. And I think actually, Tracy, the entire time I was being interviewed, I kept asking you questions, being like, and that really happened. <laughs> and that really happened as well. <laughs> Tracy, let's go. If you, um, like 2009, it started to build this idea of potentially a play. We're now 2023. So presumably it's changed as a play or it's exactly the same as a play. Tell us a little bit about the kind of the journey, if you like, of the play, of the script. Yeah, it's been on a real journey, actually. <laughs> we did a production of it in 2010, so yeah. I wrote it quite quickly. I went to a cottage in Tipperary, a friend said, go down there and finish it, you know, because we're going to put it on. So um, we did it in 2010 at Trinity, at the Samuel Beckett Theatre and also the Axis Theatre in Ballymun. But what happened there was it really lit up the story again. I remember going to do an interview on RT Radio with Karen and I was a little bit excited and I hadn't met her again for a while and I was going, I hope she likes the play. Well, yeah, absolutely. They're going to go on strike. <laughs> She's watching like herself. There's going to be a picket yeah. line outside, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we were in the radio uh, Derek Mooney show and they gave her a big bunch of flowers and spoke pretty much to Karen for the hour because of course everybody was remembering the story remembering what they did and I think she was really shocked that they were acknowledging what they had done so we did the play then and great response and I think it was that triggering of the story again in people's memories and we had ex-Dunstore workers coming to watch it who had supported it and people from Cork who'd supported you know we had a real lot of people who'd supported it back yeah. in the day and then we tried to get funding, but at the time we had a cast of 18, so it was even bigger than so it was. So there was 18 in that original, yeah. and so now there are 13. 13. Is which, that... is, which I can verify is quite a lot of people. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get to that, Kirsty. I've got a few questions around the size of that cast and how you deal with that. Okay, so was it you were responsible for putting it on, Tracy? I was, Did you have people yeah. behind you helping, producing, etc.? Yeah. Or was it you, pretty much? It was me directing, because we wanted to get on quite quickly. I was working with Helen Ryan's producer, and to hand a person a script with 18 people and saying you've got four weeks is quite a huge thing to do. So yeah. I thought, well, first time out, I'd take it on as director. Yeah. But we had Ben Dunn in it, we had Bishops, we had, you know, all the other characters in it as well. We even had Bono in it for a few seconds. And what yeah. we found, Helen and I, when we reflected on it, was people were interested in the strikers. So every time they were on, you know, they enjoyed all the other stuff, yeah. you know, it's yeah. very agitprop, very in that tradition. But it was the strikers people were interested in, and also Nimrod and Brendan. Those relationships were the ones that really stood out so we tried to get funding but obviously it's such a big we know in theatre it's yeah 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 you do absolutely a monologue can you do two people yeah so then what happened yeah. how long how long did you keep trying to raise those sort of funds to be able to do more with it yeah for a couple of years and I think luckily in 2015 I was talking to yourself and you became interested in it Ardent became interested and I was like oh my God, this is great. Yeah, bringing a cast of that size, I was like, immediately, absolutely <laughs> not. There's no way. Yeah. And then read it and just fell in love with it as a story, something I'd never heard of, and that's yeah. why I think we really went for it. Yeah, and what I really appreciated with Ardent was one thing I always thought was I'm not getting rid of any of the strikers. 
I don't want to do composite characters because all those Henry Street strikers stood on the line and lost so much but gained a lot politically yeah. and education. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I'd feel really uneasy to take out any of the Henry Street strikers. Yeah, yeah. totally. So yeah. that was 2015, it landed on our desk, didn't it, yeah. Ardent? And now 2023, we finally managed to make the production and put it on. Kirsty, when you got that script, with that many actors, we knew it was at the Southwark Playhouse, didn't we? That had been booked. Yeah. So you knew this kind of space we were talking about. Mm -hmm. How on earth did you manage it? <laughs> Took a deep breath. Yeah. I think Tracy had done a brilliant job in the script, handling those characters. And for me, it was looking for those through lines and finding those journeys, and particularly their activist journeys. And I think that's one of the things I love about the play is they really they really don't know anything about activism at the beginning. At the beginning, right, yeah. The reason they got into the strike is because it's a union directive. They don't actually really quite know what they're striking for. It's only through meeting Nimrod, meeting other South Africans in exile that they actually understand what apartheid is. Yeah. And I loved that journey of it and yeah there's a lot of scenes there's 23 scenes 23 scenes 23 scenes and, and some of the scenes have scenes within them so you've, you've got 13 <laughs> actors with 23 yeah. scenes in that tight space and mm. at any one time Kirsty, have we got all 13 on stage at the same time yes quite a few yeah there are quite a few moments so how on earth <laughs> Do you direct that? Well, how do you do that? What, yeah, stage, I mean, that's your skill, obviously. Absolutely. but Staging is important. Yeah. I think you've just got to make sure that it feels totally undirected, but at the same time, right. there's a really clear plan of where people need to be. Because you want to feel like you're one of the strikers in those big group scenes. Yeah. So when you're on the picket line, when you're in Brendan's office, because it's performed on three sides, it's yeah. incredibly immersive. So it's about making sure that your sight lines are clear, but at the same time you're embracing the fact that there are that many people on stage, and particularly women as well. It's just not something you see in theatres in general, let alone in fringe theatres. Yeah. So the staging needed to be specific. And also the big thing for me was forward momentum and front-footedness because the energy those strikers have when you meet them and the stakes of what they're going through, you never want it to feel episodic. Front-footedness is always the note. <laughs> 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 What does front-footedness mean, like, from an acting perspective? Yeah, it's, um, it's the opposite to being on the back foot, isn't it? It's about keeping the thought on the line rather than having a think and then saying your line. And also, I do think that's a wonderfully Irish trope as well. There's an energy and a kind of wit and speed to yeah. the way that people talk. And yeah. it's reflected brilliantly in Tracy's writing. So honouring that felt yeah. important. And, you know, it's got to be slick. And there is also a terrifying Google Doc, which is our four-week rehearsal schedule, where literally every moment of those four weeks is planned out. Because I just needed to get it I was out gonna, of That's what head. I was going to ask. Yes. How much plan it yeah. literally... I mean, everyone's got different processes as a director. I like to have a four-week schedule. I basically work it backwards from how many times I want to run it in the rehearsal room because I think the big thing with this show is those actors have got to have ownership over it. It's so huge and you're telling three years of people's lives and that's what I love about theatre is you get a whole world on stage and you're, you're living their lives and you see them grow and change. But in order to do that, the actors... They've got to have very left brain, right brain. You've got to be totally in the scene, but also know what the hell What's is coming, coming up next. next. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I mean, our first run through it was brilliant. You'd have people kind of come in and be like, oh, no, it's not this scene. And then walk <laughs> off. Back I go. <laughs> Which was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why we needed to do three in the rehearsal room yeah. before we got into tech, because the first few times the company were chasing the play, and then by the end, they were the ones 
driving it. Yeah. And that felt really important yeah. to kind of have that level of ownership over it because it's a great story. We also did some cuts. We cut about 12 pages over the course of the four weeks and just refining and interrogating things. And Tracy was brilliant for that because, you know, you've also got 13 fantastic minds in the room. So to not utilise that, I just think as a director, you're cheating yourself in the foot. A good idea is a good idea. Tracy, how did you, yeah. as playwright in the room, working alongside Kirsty, 12 pages maybe being cut, how was that for you, that process, being in the room, getting an understanding of what worked, what didn't work, and making cuts as you go? Yeah, I'm actually fine with that. And I think that maybe is the, the director's head as well. You know, like, you know if something's not working. I think in our first read-through of it, when we sat in the big circle and read it, I think we sat down, the three yeah. of us, and there were seven pages yeah. gone. Because yeah. you can hear it, you yeah, know yeah, when it yeah. drags. Um, I should probably also say that that whole dramaturgical support's been going on for a few years through Arden. I don't know how to explain how amazing it is for a writer to be able to go back and spend time yeah. with something. Yeah. I've changed. Yeah. My relationship with the strikers has changed. I've got to know them a bit better through the years. Yeah. I know more now. You know, oh, so, completely. So having the time to reflect that into the script has been amazing. Yeah. And I think all of us, it's something about their story that yeah. engages people. Whenever we've done readings, and we've done quite a few public readings with Arden, yeah. so we're testing yeah, it out, absolutely. which has been incredible. Yeah. But every actor that's been involved, and I don't know if you found this cursory, they just connect with the story. I agree. And there I agree, is something yeah. which <laughs> you don't often see that, mm -hmm. but there's a, a passion to tell the story, yeah. and to tell it well. And so yeah. I'm very happy for it to be slick, clean, get rid of any yeah. thing that would drag it down at all. It, it became yeah. very expedient and very tight. And one of the things that I've always admired about you as a writer is how well you take on board feedback, notes, and that you'll go away, think about them, it's your choice whether you use them or not. But for me, when it landed in 2015, I felt it still slightly needed a bit more theatricality to it, that sort of language. You've created it now. For me, it's become such a theatrical piece. It really is exciting to watch. And like all the stuff that Kirsty, your team that you brought in, the lights, yeah, the sound, the movement. Team. I mean, yeah. it's taking it onto another level. Yeah, I mean, there was a huge... The, th the other thing I kept saying in rehearsals is it is a play, it's not a documentary. So how do we make it theatrical? And movement-wise, one of the most powerful scenes I would say in the show is when Tommy is beaten up by the mm -hmm. police, right? That was a very different scene that was more historically accurate. But what we wanted to do was show police brutality on a much wider scale. That this actually can be happening, is happening all over the world in different contexts. So, yeah. And there's a moment in the show where because the strikers don't have any money to have proper wet weather shoes, they're putting plastic bags inside their mm -hmm. shoes. And... It felt a really important story point to share because it's about sacrifice and the fact they're working class and what they went through, but also to show it theatrically. So Ira Mandela Siobhan, our amazing movement director, <laughs> I literally did say to him, I was like, so they need to put them on on stage. We've got this piece of music. Off you go. <laughs> go Ira. Yeah. Go Ira. And he was amazing. And it took a lot of work. There was definitely a point where I was like, is this going to work? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but through his brilliant movement direction and also the real commitment of the cast. You're so right, Tracy. I think everyone feels, they believe in the story they're telling and they feel a responsibility to honor it so if ever anything is tough you're like well good nothing worth having is easy yeah. so the movement i think the theatricality felt important and yeah. show don't tell right that thing and trusting great actors of like they've done that in a look they yeah. don't need to say yeah, that absolutely anymore. yeah did you find that 
Tracy. Oh, absolutely. And I have to say, Kirsty was brilliant. That slickness that you talked about and the way that it moved and everything, I thought, that's it. Because otherwise it gets dodgy and the audience are looking at their watches. But afterwards, when we met and we'd go through and you'd ask me questions and we'd talk about lines. So that was really important. Yeah. It's such a yeah, collaborative yeah. process. Yeah, it really is. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Can I just backtrack a little bit? Because something I'm really interested in is the fact that this is based on real people. So for both of you, as director and as writer, you're writing a play based on a truth and a reality in terms of all these characters. How did you find that? Did it mean that it was easier or was it more difficult? Were there particular characters in reality that you chose to embellish slightly more than others? How did it work when everything's there factual? Mm. That's always the thing, isn't it? Because you want to respect also the people you're portraying as well, but also want to tell a story. So there is stuff that's fictionalised. For example, Sinead, who crosses the picket line, that is a composite character of friends who cross the picket Mm. line. For the strikers, I suppose, you want to... Tell their story, but respect them because... Were you nervous, Tracy, about yeah. that sort of, like, <laughs> slightly changing it? Did you think you needed to seek permission or did you just go for it? I kind of went for it. I think especially in the original one, I kind of naively just wanted to tell the story. But I suppose afterwards that relationship that grew from that, I could talk to some of the strikers yeah. and just clarify things. And Did that help, talking to strikers? Did it help having all that information? Or at times was it just too many facts and figures yeah. and information? Well, I tell you, what, Andrew, what I decided to do was tell the story of the strike in action. Yes. So that gave me the through line. Yeah. And so that became another character that drove through. And so everything moved on from that. So in some ways, that's been the same from the beginning. And specifically, the Nimrod character. Tell us about how you felt writing that particular character. Yeah, I suppose, again, you know, it's a long time ago when I first wrote it. So I suppose I was very keen to have the character represented. And I suppose since Arden took it on, we have had workshops. um, We have consulted with actors yeah. and I know Kirsty spoke a lot with Mensa and you know discussing the role yeah. so that's been invaluable as well that kind of contribution and just testing out and hearing out and yeah. things like that yeah well there was a language yeah. we found in the show it was subtly embedded but it came out it was something I wanted to pu- I pulled out more in the staging once we started running it together which is Nimrod and this is so based in truth right I think Mary talks about it a lot in her book he's very much also an architect of the strike mm. he is encouraging them, advising them the whole time because he is a freedom fighter and he's exactly the kind of person that history never talks about. That actually, without the Nimrods of the world, (laughs) these things wouldn't happen, but so often their stories are never told. So it felt really important to us to readdress that. And me and Tracy talked a lot about it. We developed that a lot in terms of his relationships, the other strikers, because they spent hours on the picket line, but also years together. So it was really important to get inside him as a character, why he was doing it and what the relationships were. And he's represented... It's all those unsung heroes in activism, I think. And as you say, to begin with, the majority of those strikers were fairly ignorant of what was going on. And so through the character of Nimrod, they learn, as I learned also as an audience member, as hopefully other audience members learnt too. It was that whole process of becoming more aware of it, I think. And that's what's really exciting to watch. You don't have to be fully informed to start something you believe in. There are others who've been part of the struggle for longer, who pass on information, who pass the baton on, you know. So, mm-hmm. And that's what a, a beautiful thing. It's that kind of multi-generational thing, isn't it? That we actually can pass on knowledge to each other. 
Kirsty, I know when you're in the room, when you're in the rehearsal room and you're directing and you start talking about characters, characterization, and all that sort of stuff, sometimes we don't know anything about the characters because they're not based on someone. Mm -hmm. But you did. You had a bunch of actors who <laughs> you knew somewhere there's going to be information about those particular characters. How did you do that? What was that sort of process? It was a really fine line because we're not doing an impression of people. No. And also the people written in our play, they're Tracy's take on it. Yeah. There's a lens it's coming from. So I think, and also just for me in terms of casting, it's not about casting people that look like them. It's about casting people that embody the character, their relationships to each other, what they bring to the table, who they are. That felt much more interesting to me and actually much more respectful than being, oh, I'm just going to cast someone that looks a bit like mm -hmm. that person. So from day one, there was a very clear delineation of like, we're not doing an impression of them. There may be references for things. So, for example, Mary in the show is wearing a Bruce Springsteen T-shirt because right. I know she loves Bruce Springsteen. Okay. And they okay. went to a gig and it's important to the story. But there was a moment where Adam wanted to wear glasses for Tommy because that is factually correct. But I was like, but hang on, that doesn't feel correct in the Tommy we have created. So you've got to be really careful, I think, because also you're too reverend and there's a difference between a character and a real person. So being really clear about the boundaries okay. of that. <laughs> Tell me, what is it like to have the real people in the auditorium watching <laughs> your work? Very stressful. Because <laughs> I could see them. Oh, no, how many sat, did we have? They were sat in front of you, Sat in right? front of me, yes. Trace, so how many did we have? Did we, uh, who... we had the, Michelle off, uh, couldn't make it, unfortunately, or yeah. Tommy. So we had everybody else. Everyone yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, we had everyone so there. So what did yeah. that feel like? Well, I suppose I'm in a different position to Kirsty because I would have met them over the years mm. and they've been to so many, there's been so many readings <laughs> and there's always two or three of them that come and listen yeah. and talk to actors. I was still wanted them to enjoy it because I know it had changed. And actually, exactly, so it was something Kirst new, wasn't it? Yeah. Something fresh. Yeah. And Kirsty's direction had brought out so much beautiful work and everything. Yeah. So I just wondered what they would think of this. You know, and you're always very sensitive to how they might feel. And I think they saw it twice, didn't they, Kirsty? The mm -hmm. first night was very jubilant because it was the opening press night. And the second time they watched it in the matinee with some school and they really took in the story. And I think, again... It... I think it, when I saw them coming out of that matinee, mm. it, it seemed to really hit them. Mm. It was quite powerful. Mm -hmm. How was it for you, Kirsty, though? Yeah, I mean, you've got to also not think about it too much. You've got to tell the story. Tell the story with heart and truth and conviction and respect for what they did. The best thing you can do for them is tell their story well. And I was totally fine until the lights went down and I grabbed my husband's hand and I was like, ah, I really hope they like it. Because <laughs> you feel a responsibility, you know? Of what course they did you was do. amazing. Of course. Um, and as soon as there was, you know, this lovely standing ovation and applause and I was like, great, cool. So I, and I kind of, you know, snuck over to Karen and she just gave me a massive hug and I was like, great. This is excellent. Um, and they were really moved and it was so moving on press night to have the real strikers meet the people playing them. Oh, yeah. It was very special and actually, and it was one of those great things where I was just like, well, look, whatever happens in terms of, you know, reviews is part of theatre. It's what, you know, they're important. It's why we do it, but it's not the reason we do it. And I think their reaction and also actually other people involved in activism who had come and seen the show and been moved by it and felt that it was authentic. I was like, well, that's who I care about. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I was relieved. <laughs> Kirsty, can I ask, was there a particular scene where you thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this? <laughs> was there anything in that play that was like, oh, my goodness, this is a difficult bit? Yeah, I mean, there's lots Tell of... Tell us, share. <laughs> Confess now. Yeah. Um, 
there's lots of but, I, but it's kind of what directors live for the excitement of how are we going to tell it I had an amazing creative team I think that's really important to say so yeah Ira Mandel is an incredible movement director who actually Arden introduced me to I'd not worked with him before but we just instantly clicked yeah. I think what his movement brought to the story really helped in like yeah. what's yeah. a theatrical way of telling it yeah. but also Jamie Platt our amazing lighting designer mm. and Don Brennan who was in rehearsals a lot because yeah. the music this is was really the sound, important yeah. Sorry, yeah. who did the sound. Yeah. It's really important to capture the the atmosphere and also keeping us in the 80s, so working collaboratively with them. And Libby, our amazing designer, you know, God, when we got that set together, so clever. When I saw Libby's model of it, I actually got very emotional then because I thought, mm. this is just incredible, her yeah. vision for how it was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so supported you, Kirsty, mm. and, you know, that movement and quickness yeah. and everything was incredible. And that's also, I suppose, one of those things where you were talking about, Kirsty, in terms of actors coming in and, and not being there, shouldn't have been there, and those first couple of rehearsals. What was that set like to use? Because it's three panels with some drawers and a couple of... But everything's in there. Yeah, it's wonderfully versatile and slick, whilst it never feel it's encroaching with the space. Because I kept stating, look, I am just going to need space. I'm not having a table that's difficult to get on and off. It just can't happen. Scene changes are literally sometimes a couple of seconds. It's really important. And Libby totally understood that. And that was just dreamy. Because I think if you're a director and you're a designer, if you're not entirely clear on your theatrical language, it's never going to work. So the set really helps. And it helps the actors so much. But also those costumes, which are so completely correct of the time. I mean, the energy that has gone into sourcing all of that. Yeah. And now on reflection, how do you feel about the way it's gone, both of you? Well, for me, it's been an absolute joy that it has it. Yeah, I've just loved every minute of it. I just see like with Kirsty, I agree with you, seeing the audience reaction to it because they're so engaged. Yeah, how have you found that audience response? Well, we're getting standard innovations practically every time, which is incredible. Yeah. But there's a silence. Why is that, do you think? What I is think that about? It's the story, hearing the story, because it's new here. Um, obviously, people involved in the anti-apartheid movement would be aware of it, mm. but it's quite new to a lot of people. Yeah. I think also because we are at a certain time at the moment it felt relevant when we did it originally but it felt it was really relevant now you know the whole idea of what striking means and trying to save that they did an incredible thing they went on strike for people they didn't even know and, and they went on strike for two weeks didn't they originally two weeks brendan archibald said two weeks and finished. that's it done done <laughs> and it ended up it wasn't done two years two years nine months. but yeah. yeah yeah it was a long long strike yeah yeah you know and i think that capacity to stay out on strike, to go against the church at the time, their bosses, and to keep going. You know, they had food thrown at them from the top of the done stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Kirsty, some of the moments in the play that Tracy captures, they are quite extraordinary, aren't they? I mean... Yeah, and it's oppression. And that goes on all the time. I mean, that's what is so moving but also difficult about the play is there are so many links you can make to what is happening now but that's why I think the ending is really important and what has been so satisfying for me in terms of people I know that have come to see the show but also people I don't know people that have just yeah. spoken to me is a feeling of hope and being galvanized that actually when we pull together we can achieve it does feel like things. that that, that yeah. solidarity that moment exactly. at the end yeah. you feel compelled to join them on that picket yeah. line and I was really very conscious of that because I thought 
I don't want people to come away going, well, what can we do? There's nothing we can do. They do that then. We can't do anything. I think it's really important. And, and we know through looking at the history of theatre, like the workers' theatre movement, Joan Littlewood's work, that you can create theatre that galvanises yeah. rather than leaves you depressed. And I think it's particularly important to show working-class people with agency. Completely. And at Karen, we had a brilliant uh, Zoom with the real Karen Gearin before I, we started rehearsals. I was trying very hard not to fangirl and failed massively. <laughs> um, and I said to her, what do, you, what do you want audiences to take away? What do you yeah. want audiences to take away from the show? And she said, I want people to feel that they can do things, that you can achieve things. And I think, I think we've done that. Yeah, I think so. And I think we need to tell more stories that celebrate the success mm. of movements and coming together, what, how we can achieve so much. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I'm going to wrap this up with one final question, really, is what's going to happen next to Strike? I mean, surely this is a question for our esteemed producer. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably say the 40th anniversary is next is year. Is next year. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the yeah. dream is to hit the Dublin, isn't yes. it? Yeah, to get it into Ireland. Yeah. Thank you both so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Bringing Strike to the stage has been an amazing experience for us at Ardent. We are so grateful to Tracy and Kirsty and all the many others who worked so very hard to make this show a success. And thank you for listening to Activism in the 80s, where we have charted the protests and culture wars that changed lives in Britain, Ireland and beyond. Activism in the 80s is a podcast series recorded in response to the play Strike, written by Tracy Ryan and produced by Ardent Theatre Company at the Southwark Playhouse London in April 2023. This series has been funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund and was produced by Creative Kin.